Welcome, everybody, into a Monday edition of Spits and Suds as the games narrow down. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by my NHL guru, EP ringside, Shapshot D Magazine. After a massive hockey weekend, he's Sean Shapiro. How are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's uh, it's stretch run time, right? Yeah. Like it's kind of like it's it's fun. It's it's, it's playoffs are right around the corner, but uh, we're at a spot with, especially in the Central Division, right, where it's like you yep. got we've got ten games left or for one team, nine for two others, where it all means everything. So yep. Well, fun, I think uh, fun time to be doing this. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. One of the reasons that you guys should listen to Spits and Suds, because if you listened last week, Sean and I were talking about the upcoming schedule, and it was mentioned, Vancouver, be careful, bad matchup. And I find that fascinating because Vancouver, obviously, since Talkit has taken the realm, playing much better. Um, Besser has his best games against the Stars. But, you know, watching each game against Vancouver this year, I really do feel as though for some reason, you know, that's just a bad matchup where Vancouver and each year you have those two or three teams that are going to be bad matchups. And I think this year, I think Vancouver could be one. And unfortunately, I think the San Jose Sharks are kind of one too. Been a, it's been odd. So I'm glad uh, Vancouver is no longer on the schedule. Yeah. I mean, every team's going to have those, those random teams you're going to just you're not going to fit against like for example this season up until uh, the most recent like in their three of in all three of their meetings that Tampa has had with the Detroit who Detroit is going to miss the playoffs by quite a bit like Detroit has outplayed Tampa in every game like every team has those yeah. weird teams that they just kind of it, it doesn't make not make sense and maybe even if it does make sense it's just for the stars the loss to Vancouver is it's frustrating because of where Vancouver is in the standings. It's frustrating because of what it means for Dallas, as far as like you wake up this morning and you're not in first in the central anymore. That's frustrating from that standpoint. Um, To me though, the biggest like kind of not takeaway about all of this is the fact of the matter is you can be upset about what happened in Vancouver against Vancouver this weekend. But at the end of the day, the, and I don't want to make this the entire point of the episode, but it's just something that needs to be brought up. Like you look at the, as the stars go down these final nine games in the regular season, there's 14 overtime losses, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just the couple of just even modicum of, a puck one way or the other a couple times and we're not worrying about a Vancouver loss in March. We're like, okay, you have banked points by, it just kind of shows where like you start to find the spaces and the gaps. And it's, it's, that's the thing that pops up to me. Cause I look at the standings this morning and the stars are down to third in the central, yeah. um, still points percentage because Colorado's played one less game. And I see Colorado only has six losses in overtime while Dallas has 14. And I see that, the avalanche and the wild have seven and six wins in a shootout meaning even though those games they're not they're not even even though they may not be winning as many overtime games they're getting the game to the shootout where they can win those like uh 
it's it's just those little things. That's the thing that kind of popped when I looked at the standings this morning. Where right at the end of the day is the reason Dallas made play Colorado in the first round because they had to go because they couldn't get it done. They couldn't get the right bounce in overtime this year. It's just it's just it's the thing that's pressing for me in my mind because yep. you can look at the Vancouver game and we can definitely talk about parts of it, but it also highlighted a bigger issue for me of how things could go at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I agree. And we've talked this year that, you know, these losses don't matter when it comes to the playoffs because that system goes away. However, we do have to talk about it because you're right. Not only would they be first in the Central, there's probably a good possibility they would have home ice until the Stanley Cup. And that's, it's, to me, yeah, massive. It's, I'll always take a Game 7 in my own barn. It's that, and then there's also the... Uh, it's also the element too, just, and this is something where I was never going to put this expectation on Jake Ottinger at this point, but he is, it's, it's, I don't know if he's, if it's based off reading or whatever, but I, I love, like he had that swagger the other day where he's like made 40 saves and he says, I, I believe I'm one of the best goalies in the world. And that's great. I, I love that swagger in a goalie. The best goalie in the world doesn't have like a 773 save percentage in three on three overtime. So that is yeah. the other thing where you just like you look at and I'm not trying to nitpick on Jake Ottinger right now, but you just look at the spot of you you take a look at things that if you want to be in one class of things in the best class of things, that's where you need to be. You need to be better. And that's just the the reality of it. And then all of a sudden we're not worrying about having lost a three one game to Vancouver where your backup who was called it from the AHL is playing. Yeah, I was a little surprised, actually. I thought Ottinger, based on his performance the other night, would have gotten the start again. I understand that he needs rest. Uh, but I think it, it was a mistake. I think it was a mistake to play Matt Murray in that game. Yeah, I, I, I don't under... that. That's what I was, you know, curious about, because it, to me, it's like you've struggled against this team. You see the statistics, and you, you clearly need the points, and he looked kind of revitalized and you had opportunities this upcoming week to give him some rest. So I agree with you. I, I thought it was a mistake and you know, you hate yeah. to be that hindsight 2020, but when we did talk on the pod last week, we talked about Ottinger playing against Vancouver. Yeah. Like to me, it was a mistake. Like he should have played against Vancouver. You, you play, you come off the game against Pittsburgh, the way he played, you roll on that. You continue playing that way. I mean, I, I'm assuming Ottinger will get the, it will be very interesting to see how they handle the back to back at the end of the week. But obviously we're going to assume Ottinger can play Tuesday against Chicago. But if, if I, I would have played, I would have played, continued to play him on that spot. I, I think it was a mistake. I think he should have played that game. And not that Murray was even bad. Just no. Jake Ottinger is a better goalie and he was, he's back in his kind of, and so unless there's something where Jake Ottinger said, I can't go or whatever, I don't see the justification for not playing him against Vancouver. Just that's, that's kind of how I look at it, especially where you could have like, to me, to me, Ottinger should have started against Vancouver. He'll start Tuesday against Chicago and He's going to have to play every other night. He's going to have to play in the playoffs this way. So like it's it's not like it's not like Matt Murray is getting an opportunity to win the job. So yeah. I, I I thought that was a mistake. I thought Andre should have played. 
um, from a star's perspective on that game. Like the other thing that just pops is like you look at kind of how things went and, and, and chances. And it was just very odd game from the perspective of, there's a lot of like what ifs about this stars team right now. Like I think Sagan had Sagan had an assist and he's starting to kind of come back in, but I don't know if he's actually fully there. Um, Max Domi has been, has been a really good fit for this team, but I think we're seeing as much as Mason Marchment offensively wasn't there. I think the fact Mason Marchment isn't there um, is, is, is exposing kind of the deficiencies in Max Domi's game, the defensive yeah. deficiencies in Max Domi's game, because Max Domi has been asked to do more defensively since Marchment has been out. And, and so Domi is a little bit, it's been exposed a little bit more. So I think missing Marchment's been something there too. Um, it's uh it's just a very, it's an interesting space where the team is right now. And like someone asked me about this today, uh, the mailbag up and the shop shots are like, Oh, what, what adjustments can the coaches make uh, to make sure the stars win the central? And I'll be honest, like, I don't think it's as much coaching adjustments right now. You've played 73 games. Like, I don't know what you're going to get out of nine games that you didn't get out of 73 games. So to me, this is more and more of what, what team have you built? What's their mentality? And how are you going to kind of land this, basically land the ship at the end here? That's kind of, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the question facing this team right now. Yeah. Hopefully I made, hopefully I made some salient points there. Cause I kind of just started rambling. No, hopefully. you did. You did. And I, I, I will say, and I keep bringing it up. Like these odd man rushes have to stop. Like I, I understand you're playing offensive hockey and, but it's just happening too often as well as quality shot chances. Like, you know, I mean, I just, I feel as though defensively, whether it's the forwards or, you know, the defensemen, I just feel as though that teams are playing the stars and are getting higher quality chances. And I know this happens from time to time, but it just seems as though Ottinger or whoever, Murray, sometimes has to stand on their head just to, you know, and make quality saves. Demko played well the other night, but you know, I mean, you also have to score more than one goal. I I agree with you. It's just it's it's not a good time to be going into the playoffs, and that's that's the part that scares me because I do not. I understand Stars fans might say, well, you know, based on that Saturday afternoon game, yeah, we can take Colorado, and maybe you can, but I personally, that's not a series I look forward to. And maybe that needed to be the matchup anyway, but I don't look forward to that matchup. Yeah, but like if you're if you're if you're Dallas, right? Like I think there's there's two ways. Like you want one of two things to happen. The the worst thing that could happen for Dallas, honestly, is Minnesota winning the Central because Minnesota winning the Central would mean Dallas and Colorado play in the first round. Yep. Um, if Dallas wins, if Dallas if Dallas falls into that two three spot and they have to play Minnesota, I'm okay with that. I can live with that. I don't want, you don't want Colorado off the bat. You don't want Colorado that's rolling Colorado. That's getting going. They're eight, two and zero in their last 10. Yeah. They're, um, they know that they have that switch. They, they, they know how to finish games. Um, and you're gonna have to beat, if you want to win the whole thing, you have to beat them at some point anyway, but you'd rather not have to deal it off right off round one. You'd rather get, you'd rather get Seattle or, 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 or you, you want Winnipeg to like, <laughs> If you're Dallas, you would love for uh, 
And I don't think it's going to happen because the points, it's going to be hard to see Winnipeg doing to that. Like, I think Vegas is going to, I think Vegas has that, I think Vegas or LA are going to end up winning the regular season Western crown. And yep. so they'll end up, they'll probably get, they'll probably get Winnipeg in the first round. But like, you want a bit of the K, you, you'd love for a bit of the chaos of Seattle, maybe to, to get Colorado, if that's what happens. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a space where, the stars are still a good team. I want to stop. Absolutely. And I want to stop and, and, and make sure we aren't making people like it's a good team. They are, they would go into the, going into the playoffs. Um, I would look at them as going into, if the playoffs were to start today, um, I would say they have their, between them, Vegas, and Colorado, I would say those are the three best teams in the, in the West. I, w- I would say that. I would still say that, especially if yep. Sagan can be fully healthy and if some other things. So it's a good team, but it's also you're trying to live in those margins right now. You're living in that air where you want to be a Stanley Cup contender. You want to prove you you belong up here and everything like that. And this is where you... Uh, this where you prove yourself. So. Yeah, I think you got to get back to playing, you know, better hockey because I do look at Vegas is playing really well right now. Colorado's playing well. Minnesota's playing well. Edmonton's playing well. There are a lot of teams in the West that are, you know, arguably playing some of their best hockey of the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not a turn on, turn off kind of thing. So I would like to see in these final games, the, you know, stars put a string together and they get the ability to do that against the Chicago and in Arizona. So, you know, the possibilities are, are, are certainly there. So it's, you know, just a little disappointing, you know, it would have been nice to pick up uh, two points and, uh, you know, hopefully I, you know, I don't want to say for a team that has been in first all year that there needs to be a sense of urgency, but I'm going to say it anyway, Sean, I just feel as though, well, no, but, you know, no, but I mean, there does, there, there, there does need to be a sense of yeah. urgency. Cause like, the, the, like, just think about what is it? Everyone, one of the go-to examples in hockey right now is, the Lightning, when they won back-to-back Stanley Cups, everyone points to the fact that they got swept by Columbus in the year before. They yep. won the President's Trophy. They get swept by the year before, and then that was that 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 vic- that uh, that playoff loss to Columbus sent the message that uh, of of what they needed to be to actually win the cup. And so, if you don't want to be you you don't want to you don't you don't want a first-round playoff loss to be the wake up point. You want the wake up point to be right now. You want the wake up point to come now. You don't want it to come like at the end of the day, there's a good young core in Dallas, right? Like I think they are built. I think Jim Nill's done a really good job building them to be contenders, to be in this spot for a while. But every year that you lose in the first round, every year you miss the playoffs or the year you don't get it done. It is just another year of the and like I don't know if we're gonna get this version of Jamie Ben ever again. Like it's great. Yeah. It's a great story. It's a great story, but like it's kind of one of those like things where like you live in the moment and embrace it. Like this is this may be Jamie Ben's best chance to win a Stanley Cup. This 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 season may be mm-hmm. with how he's playing, with how the contract's set up and how everything kind of goes. I don't know if there'll be a better chance to win the Stanley Cup maybe next year. Who knows? But like I still like you have the, the here and now, and you need to embrace that and, and own it. So, um, it's it's crunch time. Let's, yeah. let's just put it that way, I guess. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, we do this from time to time. It's called one-timers, where we throw things at Sean Shapiro for his vast knowledge of the NHL with his insiders and see what he has to say. Let's start with coming off the World Baseball Classic. Connor McDavid, uh, pretty cool, was outspoken and said that, you know, everyone's talking to me about baseball right now. I would love to, you see it in the news, I would love to have a World Hockey Classic. And it kind of sparked uh, some talk. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure there will be some chatter um, this week. And I wanted to get your thoughts on a, on a on a classic where it features countries. I think it's easier in hockey to pull it off. Um, I think you'd have to figure out if you wanted to do it during the season, if you could bounce the all-star game without, you know, I'm sure there's some bonuses included if uh, players make all-star games. You'd have to figure that out. But, you know, I, I personally would love to see it similar to when they stopped the season for the Olympics. I think it would bring a lot of attention. I mean, there was what 2016 was the World Cup of Hockey was the last time they did it. And one of the biggest issues right now, and I don't want to go. So this the biggest issue right now with best on best hockey is there's the old issue where. The NHL doesn't make any money on the Olympics, which is why we didn't have NHL players going to the Olympics before last the last couple of times. And COVID obviously just became an excuse to to make it happen. The other issue we have is the rut. And I'm sorry to everyone who's listening because we're about to get into some socio political things because that's just the reality of what's causing this. Uh, there's the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, and Russia is banned from competing in IIHF competition right now, yep. and the NHL wants a best on best tournament they are desperate for it they really want one so does the nhlpa both sides want this but um it's hard to do from the nhl perspective it's hard to do and and in some cases maybe even considered impossible to do a best on best tournament without russia how do you do a best on best tournament if you can't do sell crosby versus ovechkin one last time and everything like that and it's it's the same it's the same reason almost. And I think we're just seeing this trickle down of, of the NHL being so beholden to Russia right now through other things. And, and please hear me out people. Cause I, there's, I know there's a lot of, um, cause we've seen a lot of this talked about in, in, in the NHL lately, but there's been the whole, the whole, there's been the whole big talk lately about, Pride nights and teams mm-hmm. canceling, not wearing the jerseys before the games. The stars, by the way, I thought did a great job with theirs. They did a really good job. All the players were wearing them. That means a ton. Like I, I think the stars did a great job. And but you see, the Chicago Blackhawks said we're not going to wear one because we worry about the safety of Russian players. The Minnesota Wild said we worry about the safety of Russian players. And that starts to ring really hollow for me when the stars do it in Dallas, and Evgeny Dadanov is wearing a pride jersey before the game and he's russian and sergey Bobrovsky's wearing a pride yeah. jersey in warm-ups before the panthers game when he's got two canadian teammates who are sitting out for religious reasons um like i so to me though so much of this feels like the nhl the nhl trying to find the landing where they can keep the relationship with hockey russia the russian hockey federation as smooth as possible so they can get their best on best tournament like the nhl at one point thought about like oh maybe we could do a tournament with russian players but they don't play under the russian flag and from my understanding the swedes and the Finns, understandably so 
pushed back against that. They're like, you can't do that. And so I, I, I think the NHL is so desperate for Crosby Ovechkin in a best on best tournament before their careers end. And, and I, I think the NHL is, is trying, it's like, it's kind of, it's the fighting, like Spidey, whatever, whatever, whatever example you want to use where you're, you're looking at the micro and you need to be looking at the macro, like, okay, rush is not there. They should still do a best. They should still do a world cup of hockey. They should do one without Russia. IHF banned them. Use that as the precedent. Yep. Do a World Cup of Hockey. That's do it what I do. The season. Like, you know what? Sweden, Finland, going to be great. Yep. United States, Canada, still going to be great. You're going to have the German team now. With you got a bunch of really good young German players sure led do. by Leon Dreisaitl with Tim Stutzla and, and, and Moritz Seider on Germany. Like, you've got that. You've got the the checks are the checks between. I want to see Pasternak playing. I want to. I want to see. Yeah. You have enough this teams. tournament. It, you have enough teams. You have enough teams, and you have, and you're just so bending over backwards to get this done. Where we have to include Russia, when you already have the easy out. The IHF has banned them. Russia was not at the World Junior. The Olympic can't even play. Just, just do it right. Like, is it? We're gonna get to the spot where we're 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 caring so much about we have to we have to keep pushing this back, pushing this back, pushing this back. So we get Crosby versus. Ovechkin, when at the same time they don't realize that they're pushing this back, pushing this back so much that we're losing prime years of Matthews versus McDavid. Yep. We should watch US. We I want to see USA versus Canada, Matthews versus McDavid, center off face off. Boom. There's your setting. Like just it's it's such I, I'm getting I just the the way that things are being the way that bend over backwards just to make sure get to get one one matchup they want with Russia is just incredibly frustrating because, yeah. and I, I love that McDavid said something like I've, I've gotten the feeling I talked to somebody um, actually at the all-star game about McDavid and he is someone who, as far as by hockey player, by hockey players are incredibly bland in what they say most of the time. And that's true. It's just kind of, it's a very team first space, but he's someone who is willing to at least break a little bit away from the mold more than Crosby was Crosby had the best player in the world mantle and really decided to keep to himself. And that's fine. That's all his prerogative. McDavid at least I think is opinionated. And as he has success, as he starts to realize the, the voice, his, the weight, his voice carries, I think we'll start to get a little more of this for the better. And so hopefully, hopefully it does. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting uh, side note is that um, Marty Walsh, I believe is speaking Thursday. He is new. He's the new executive director of the NHL Players Association. So I'm sure it'll be asked of him. Um, and it'll be interesting what the Players Association stance on this is too. Yeah. So it, w- uh, it will be he definitely. It will be something I'm imagining they will. Uh, the key is finding a way to make it work financially for both sides. And yeah. If they can do that, money speaks. So. Good. Good for hockey. Uh, quick sidebar. Is it possible um, in some form if – can you team up with another country, in other words, similar to a soccer friendly? Could you do a men's, women's where Canada and the U.S. play, um, let's just say, three games or four games, two in Canada, two in the U.S.? I mean, you you, you could. I mean, it's – uh, I don't know if there's any um, – 
we'd have to look. I'm not sure if there's NHL something stopping NHL player contracts from yeah. doing this. Um, like obviously the US, the USA and Canada play do a lot of that in women's and in women's hockey. You yeah. will see these rivalry series where it's. I think they played a game in Anaheim earlier this year. They yeah. played one in Nashville, I think. Where so you see it in women's hockey. Um, now the precedent is um, players for the for the men's and players for the women's pro for the women's Canadian and the United States team. Um, their main money maker at this point, because of the state of pro hockey for women in the United States, is comes from opportunities for Team Canada and the Team USA. So there's no there's no space where they have a day-to-day employer who's going to say yeah i'm paying you i can't risk your injury the issue i think is becomes nhl club saying like okay am i really going to be okay signing off with this for risk some injury it's how is this going to benefit me so um you could do something like that like a usa canada series would be that'd be a lot of fun it would would be a lot of fun the question becomes where the question becomes when, how would you fit it in? Um, Cause I, I would, I, one of the, the great things about the full tournament setup is you get like these teams kind of grow and mesh together and, 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 and grow together after three, four games, you get some really good hockey games. I don't know how, even with the best players in the world, um, if we just bring them together for two games or whatever in the middle of the season, like, I don't know how, if that, if that works. The, the other thing that we need to do, and it's why, um, and I'm using the Royal we. The other thing that hockey needs to do is it needs to make the World Cup more frequent. Like and you need to be like, okay, we're gonna do it every four years or every two years or whatever. It doesn't matter when Russia will be allowed. Just do it because the issue right now is players want to play in the Olympics because it means something where you know, hey, I won the Olympic gold medal in 2026. Somebody won it in 2022. Somebody won it in 2018. Like it's something that's actually like a prize that's yeah. real, right? Like, yep. like you win an Olympic gold medal a hundred years from now, someone will know what an Olympic gold medal is. I tell you, I won a world cup of hockey. Someone will be like, Oh, what's that yeah. right now? Like the world, the world cup of hockey doesn't hold the weight or the cachet the way that the world cup of soccer does. Right. right. Like people will know. For, so hockey needs to figure out its best on best international tournament setup. And get something up where it's like, okay, we're going to do a World Cup of Hockey every four years or every two years. And just think about the long term as opposed to trying to squeeze away into Russia into something two years from now or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next one-timer. Let's go to Saturday night. Carolina, Toronto. Uh, For those of you that don't know, there is a rule in the NHL called continuation. On Saturday night... For the second time, uh, the NHL referees used continuation. Continuation in that the play was whistled dead. The puck clearly was still open. Uh, It was poked in uh, by, let me see, by Toronto to tie the game. The game was in Carolina. And um, officially they said the whistle had blown, but then they reviewed it. Clearly the puck was free. And continuation was called goal allowed. So I uh, wanted to uh, get your thoughts on that. It has been rarely called in that two times this year. It's kind of fascinating to see. Yeah, it was the right call. I think it's something where um, the everyone kept playing, and it was the circumstance. Uh, and I, I think the circumstance kept playing. For me, 
and I'm not a referee, so I don't have the exact line by line de de definition in front of me. But for me on that space, as long as it's a, an immediate continuation and like it was, like Matthews did on the rebound and Kuchekov kept playing for the rebound and everything like that, I'm okay with it. It's the one where if the whistle blows, even by mistake, and everybody stops moving and one person scores, that's the one where it's like, I think you have to use your better judgment and say, that's, all right, we messed up. So I, I thought they made the right call on yeah. this one. Um, I also think it's, it's, it's also such a weird, like, um, it's kind of one of those gray areas sometimes where you'll know it's the right call when you see it, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I also uh, found it fascinating, which leads me to my next question, because just a short time later, Carolina took the lead with Sebastian Ajo collecting his basically own rebound and putting it in. Sean, my question to you is most underrated superstars or superstars that aren't, aren't on the map, and I would justify Sebastian Ajo as one of them. Yeah, I mean, he's a superstar. He's it's the whole, the whole where he plays. Yeah, but I mean, the other thing that that comes up that's always an issue to me is like, um, the word underrated, I think, is just gets improperly used because, um, this year, once again, for like, I feel like for the sixth straight year, like they did the player poll and most underrated player, and like, like. I've been hearing about how Alexander Barkov is the NHL's most underrated player for six years. Like, I don't know how I don't know how you can be the most underrated player in the league for that long. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. That doesn't mean that means you're <laughs> the fact you're getting recognition for not being. I think it's more of a commentary on the commentary on you play in Florida, not that you're actually underrated. Like I think anyone who watches the game understands how good Barkov is. Um, I think Aho is a good example of someone who uh, hockey is very much a team game, right? Obviously. But I think there are players who play for certain teams that get forgotten because of how that team plays or or the the approach or or someone else overshadows them. Um like Jason Robertson doesn't get overshadowed anymore. Um he now he is a he is a star player who is an impact guy every single night. I think Sebastian Aho we just sometimes forget like because that Carolina team is so good and so relentless and comes after you in waves you kind of forget that amongst those waves of Sebastian Ajo, you think about them as a full unit as opposed to, as opposed to one guy leading the charge where in Dallas, it was Pavelski and Robertson and Hintz who have had to do a lot of the heavy lifting offensively. Yeah. Um, it's also the same way where it's like in, 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 uh, in like Edmonton, we talked about, you know, I talked before again on the air of Ryan Nugent Hopkins is having a, it's, he plays on the same team as Connor McDavid. So and he has the same team as Connor McDavid, same team as Lean Dreisaitl. He's having an incredibly good year. Um, and I think that's, and you and I both talked about it before it came on the air. He's having an incredible year that people are kind of missing and forgetting yeah. because it's easy to marvel at the stat sheet. It's one right. thing to, like, his numbers, if you look at them and he was on any other team, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he's having a pretty good year. But when <laughs> you're looking at the line chart and the other guy is doing McDavid stuff, yeah. they're like, oh, wow, this is like, I think it, it kind of gets lost on that. Yeah, um, Nugent Hopkins is a good two-way player, too. Yeah, and um, 
to me, I think one of the guys who I've always think is one of the, and I, I, people are listening to who who have read me in the past. I always, I was banging this drum for a long time before he got traded by Ottawa. Are you going to say Ryan Reeves? No, no, not Ryan Reeves. (laughs) Um, I, I I was a big, I I was a big proponent of Mark Stone. And I think Mark Stone is a player who went healthy, obviously he's dealing with a lot of injuries and now, now his star power is up a bit since he's gone to Vegas and you got the contract and the captaincy and everything like that. But I think a player like Mark Stone actually fits very well into that underrated line because you don't, you don't realize how much he impacts the game on every single night. I think, I honestly think in Dallas, I think Miro Heishkinen may be, Miro Heishkinen may actually be the answer on this because you look across the league and even though he's having good, better point totals and we've talked about it, like you have these other, other guys on the list who people will talk about best defensemen or these conversations and, Rasmus Dahlin, Adam Fox, his names pop up and not that those players aren't great. They're good. But like, I think Miro Heishkinen is quietly, is quietly, Miro Heishkinen's ascent feels very similar to Victor Hedman's for me. Hmm. Where like Victor had Victor Hedman and, and not obviously two different players. Yeah, Hedman's yeah. much bigger, but the way where Victor Hedman kind of went from like, he was good and if you paid attention to hockey, you knew he was good, but he wasn't like universally looked at as like a best defenseman in the world until like everyone decided like, oh my gosh, we've all missed this. We all better start acting like we knew it from the beginning. I feel like we're going to have that moment with Miro Heishkin. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's going, not you and I, you and I, you and I will be able to look to this podcast and yep. say, Hey, I told you so like a long, long time ago, but I feel like two, three years from now, everyone's going to be like, oh, well. You're talking about the best defenseman of the world. You're talking about Miro Heishkin. You're talking about Kel McCart. Like I feel like we're just we're 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 getting close to that ceiling breaking, where people are going to have to acknowledge that, um, because people are going to have to acknowledge that, and and kind of point to that because it's it's just something that while he's gotten some of his due, he hasn't gotten as much as as he probably should. And I think yeah. these point. I think people are going to look at kind of. Uh, look at the, the point totals this season. They're going to kind of see what he does, especially if he has a great playoff. Like I think all of a sudden, and then, and then who knows from there? Like, I, th- I think it, it could be, that's Miro is really impressive to watch. Well, I especially think since a, what we've talked about uh, the offensive yeah. game is, I mean, not that it wasn't there, but I, I can see a more proactive Miro in the offensive zone. Um, and specifically on that power play, I just think that, and, and maybe it's the course of a season, but he's just become that quarterback that I think that the stars need on that power play. Yeah. So I, I he's, he's that good. So. Okay. Uh, two, two quickies, uh, unbelievable yeah. what Vegas are doing. Um, don't know if Bruce Cassidy will get coach of the year. I doubt it. I think that'll go to Jim Montgomery and, and the Bruins, but going through five goalies and still most likely winning the West uh, and all the injuries that have taken place. So uh, stick tap to the Vegas Knights. Uh, I think they've uh, on done. That, on, on, yeah. on that real quick, Gavin, when you look at coach of the year, I want to, so this is an important, so obviously you set NHL records for points potentially and everything like that. And Jim Montgomery is the favorite to win the Jack Adams, but are we underselling? what Lindy Ruff has done in New Jersey still because like I, I look at like I, I it's it's something where 
one coach, Bruce Cassidy, has gone to Vegas and has had success, right? Uh, but he left a very good team in Boston, and Jim Montgomery has taken over, taken a very good team and turned them into a truly elite, great team. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just, are we underselling when it comes to coach of the year? Are we kind of underselling what Lindy Ruff has done in New Jersey? I mean, everyone talks about, oh, you want to work, avoid Carolina or Boston in the first round. Devils are at 100 points right now. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're totally underselling it. I'm just going, mm-hmm. I'm going by, I, I'm going yeah. by what I feel will be the coach of the year. Yes. Not yes. necessarily, yeah. you know, what, what necessarily, you know, Gavin Spittle thinks, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, because coach, I mean, I honestly, yeah. I think, I think Todd McClellan has had a hell of a year in LA, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah, think, I think LA, you know, they have a, a combination of vets and youth and they're kind of an under the radar team that has just stuck around and they got some really good players coming up through their system, and but they're not really talked about. Um, so, you know, I think they've done a good job. I agree with you. To me, Lindy Ruff, what a turnaround. I mean, you're right. He went from being booed to I've never heard a fan base apologize. That is yeah. unreal. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. you know, stick tap to uh, Lindy Ruff. And as I said, Bruce Cassidy, with all the injuries, they've just sustained that. I just think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think Jim Montgomery – uh, probably takes it because of the uh, yeah. the record. Uh, all right, and finally, uh, best moves at the trade deadline that are paying the big dividends. We still have a ways to go, but I, I really feel as though it's no coincidence that Edmonton is playing such better hockey with the arrival. Finally, it just seems as though Matthias Ekholm on that blue line, you know, has really helped them defensively. Yeah, he's been a really, that's been, they, he really filled a spot for them. Um, I think it's like, that's been, he filled a void they needed on the defensive blue line. It's been a really good fit. Um, Did we think say, of him, Sean, this way in Nashville, by the way? Um, I think he kind of always was kind of like the second fiddle to Roman Yossi. Okay. So that was kind of the space yeah, where it was point. like, I think it kind of, kind of one of those were kind of, we knew he was a fine. I, I don't know how well that contract alleged, but it's definitely worked well for this season. Um, I you look at you look across and the fact that I mean, I, honestly, I think one of the teams that that you can probably feels pretty good about themselves coming out of the trade deadline is a team that I think is gonna miss the playoffs, but it's uh. Ottawa? The fact of the matter, Nashville, just like the oh, moves yeah. they made, like like the fact they sold and they banked all the stuff they did for the future, and they're still like it's hard to burn it all down and come back. And instead of burning it all down, they just kind of re- they actually just reshuffled. And I look at what they did, and I wonder if in the long run they're going to be pretty. I mean, I think them and. Uh, they and Detroit both took a very similar impact. Mm-hmm. They were kind of in the playoff race at the time of the they're in the playoff hunt at the time of the deadline, but ultimately decided this wasn't their year. It was time to sell. And they are still in a spot where I think with those pieces and can build for the future. Now, I think you're right. You're spot on with Edmonton on getting things done. Um I think Seattle deserves – it's not a deadline move, but I think the Seattle pickup of Eli Tolvanen off waivers 
midseason mm-hmm. should yeah. is go is it's not a deadline move, but it's a move that deserves a lot more uh deserves a ton That's because a good one. that helped that helped Seattle pick something up that they didn't have in a finisher there. Um I mean, even the like the star in the West, because the West West was very weird on everything because it did not load up nearly as much as the East did. The Dadanov move has really paid off. Yeah. Like in Dallas, like you look at the West and you, you look at what Jim did with to bring in Dadanov and, and the Domi trade was a little bit more hope high profile, but like that's that's a really good trade too. Um it will be you mentioned Vegas and the fact that they've won four straight games with or they four straight games using four different goalies. Uh the goalie shuffle is gonna be very interesting this this next off season and we we can have an entire we should have an entire podcast about this in the in the in hopefully in june hopefully after a long playoff run is done with dallas but it's going to be fascinating to see how the goalie shuffle goes because there's a lot of teams that this season learned about who their goalies really are learned what they can overcome and may have also realized their uh may may have also realized that they do or don't have a problem that they had before. So yeah, absolutely. Well, good episode, my friend. We'll probably do a special episode tomorrow, FYI, where I'm going to spend some time with Minnesota Wild, the voice of the Minnesota Wild, Joe O'Donnell, so we can hear what's going right in Minnesota and from an outside perspective of what he sees from the stars. So um, we'll also have some uh, fun stories. Joe's a great storyteller, so I'm excited uh, for that. So that's going to be tomorrow on Spits and Suds. Uh, Sean, you're a beast. Thanks as always, my man. Of course, happy to do it, and uh, should be a, should be a fun week of hockey. Yeah, Overall, absolutely. Across the league. Oh, hopefully, uh, by the time we talk to you on Friday, that uh, some points have been picked up and the stars move up in the standings. We shall see. So that's going to do it once again. We're trying to provide great hockey content, talking NHL as well as your Dallas Stars. So if you like this podcast, please spread the word. It's a local DFW podcast meant for you. So have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening.